Hey everybody, this is Mike Clay Keeney, otherwise known as Coffee with Mike, and you're listening to Java Chat here on Anchor.fm. Uh, today's interview uh, has been a kind of a long time coming. I've, I've been working on getting this done for a bit, and it's with someone who I highly respect in the real estate investment realm. His name is Daniil Kleeman, and we had a chance to sit down, chat a little bit about uh, you know his history, where he's at, what he does, what he believes in, some mindset, some mindset uh, stuff, and just really had a great conversation with him. Um, he talks a little bit about um, his journey in real estate investing, uh, his journey about where he's at now, you know, and he offers up a lot of good, solid nuggets on information. So take a listen, guys, and I'm glad you're stopping by and listening to Java Chat with Coffee. Uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Java Chat. My name is Coffee with Mike. That is my brand. I love to drink coffee, and it's not something new for those of you that know me. And I have the pleasure of interviewing a real estate investing entrepreneur. Gentleman's name is Daniil Kleeman, correct? Yeah. Okay. I do my best not to mess up people's names only because my last name is really hard to pronounce. For those of you that don't know it, it's Kalei Kini. I'll do that later. <laughs> we're, here to, we're here to share a little bit of Daniil's story. And um, this is just a coffee chat. For those of you that know what goes on in these, we, we hang out, we talk a little bit about people's experiences, where they're from, where they're at, where they're going, um, and some, some insights. And, and I usually hit people with right out the gate. And, and I'll, I'll start with this. First off, thanks, Daniil, for hanging out with me. Yeah. Appreciate you coming. Um, and it's usually the first thing I ask. What's like the best piece of advice you can give to anybody in either side? either as a real estate investor or an entrepreneur, or maybe even both. Yeah, I, I think the problem everybody has right now is with focus, right? That's probably the best piece of advice I can give to anybody is just, <laughs> just focus on one thing, become, become good at one thing, go, go deep. We, we've all lost the ability to, to go deep, right? We've, we've, we're bombarded with so many distractions and shiny objects and opportunities. And boy, are we new, offers and just find one thing get good at it go deep right we i and i can rant about this for ages but we as a society are losing our ability for for deep work our our desire to get to know a topic really in depth and the way you succeed at entrepreneurship is by going deep, right? By doing something really well, by doing something better than the next guy. Get that doesn't mean you need to do one thing for the rest of your life, but get good at one thing, one niche, one method of, of investing. You know, we we have people uh, email email me all the time, and because one of one of the emails that I sent to people when they sign up for for our newsletter is, hey, what are you hoping to accomplish in the next six months? And people. I can't tell you how many times people email me and they're like, Hey, Daniel, I'm brand new in the six months. I want to wholesale 10 houses, fix and flip four houses and buy five rentals. Holy shit. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, good luck. Yeah. Big goals, big systems, but uh, that's a bit much. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little much, right? Focus. Sounds good. <clears throat> you mentioned something about going deep. Um, I remember a gentleman by the name of John Mackey. That name may not mean anything to some of you, but he was probably the first guy um, in football to go deep. He played for the Indiana Colts under John Unitas, um, who was known as one of the best quarterbacks ever. Um, and during one of their games, um, Johnny looked up and said, Mackey, go deep. And Mackey went out and he threw a bomb. Johnny did. Mackie caught it. Um, Mackie's lived by that premise for many years. When I met him, obviously it was much later in life. I met him at one of the, um, um, not the Pro Bowl, but the other one for the, for the college kids. Um, and that was his whole thing. I mean, and he's an, he's an investor. He was investing in some medical things. And, you know, we, we sat down and we talked. And it was the same story that you just, same advice you just gave. If you're going to go, go deep. Don't go halfway, go all the way. Because focus, as you've mentioned, has become a easily, we're easily distracted now. Like you said, with all of, all of the- Yeah, it's a hard, it's a scarce commodity now, you know? And 
we're all suffering from it. I, and I'm constantly pushing myself to time block, get rid of distractions and get back to deep work. And it's becoming harder and harder, but you have to, that's how you get good at something. Yeah. And, and I, and I, I can totally appreciate that. So thanks for sharing that bit of information. So we connected, geez, we've been connected for a few years now, now that I think about it. I think we connected when you first came out with, uh, when you came out with one of your first versions of your software. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Cause I remember, I remember, and that was before, I think that was even before you had an affiliate program. I'm not sure, but I know it's been a few years we've been connected and I've had the pleasure of following you and your journey and everything like that. But you have a deeper journey than that. You started from some pretty humble beginnings, brother. Where are you from originally? Well, so I, I grew up in Russia, uh, former Soviet Union, right. uh, moved here in 92. We immigrated with my family. Uh, we were refugees, mm-hmm. legal refugees. <laughs> you didn't have to go down that route, but okay. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> this know. is a non-political uh, show, brother. Don't worry that's about right. it. Not, <laughs> it's just easy for here. me to go off on tangents. So you got to yeah. keep... You gotta keep <clears> I'll help there. you stay. I'll pull, I'll pull the rails in, brother. It's all yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> So we came here in 92. Um, I was 12 years old at the time. And, you know, we're, we're Jews. So we left right as um, the wall was crumbling in, uh, in Germany and the Soviet Union basically imploded. Yep. And economically, Russia was a bad place to be. For Jews, it was even worse, more dangerous yeah. place to be. So we, you know, we didn't have a bad life there. My, my, my parents are very well educated. My mom was a doctor. She was a PhD in her hospital. My dad was, was doing well, but it wasn't safe. We came here. We left most of what we owned back there um, and, you know, came here and <clears throat> just basically fresh start started over. Fresh start. Yeah. My, my mom's medical degree meant nothing here. She had to start over, go through medical wow. school residency, take, take her exams. My, my dad didn't speak the language, so he went from being a fairly high up official in the government to... Um, doing manual labor yeah. uh, just yeah. just to help our family pay the bills and so that was that was kind of the journey and um, and and, and, so and I, think, I think that makes me lucky like I grew up hungry you know yeah. I, like, I grew yeah. up I didn't grow up with much I you know I knew that nobody was gonna make shit happen for me other than me and like I worry about my kids my my kids are young like the 16 months and one month uh, right now, but like, I genuinely worry about my kids because they're gonna grow up pretty well off. Yeah, and like, I constantly think about how do I not turn them into just giant trust fund babies? Trust fund babies. You know? <laughs> I know a few of them. <laughs> yeah, it's the last last thing I want, right? So, um, you know, I look back on my life, and I, I mean, I'm I'm lucky. Yeah, I, gave, I think gave I me the drive to make things happen. I think a lot of people miss out on the, on the appreciation part. I actually put up a post yesterday about that. I mean, you know, there's all these people that are proclaiming I'm ready to receive abundance from the universe. And I'm like, yeah, but your ass is sitting on a chair doing nothing. You expect the, you expect to get something for nothing. Come on. That's, that's, yeah. that's just not uh, a vision board is nice and everything, but then you actually got to leave your, your room where the vision board is hanging. Yes, you, you have to go out and affect something. You got right. to be on and affecting change or helping others will help that vision board become reality. It's kind of interesting to see how some people don't get that. Um, so, so from the age of 12 to, let's see, when did you start investing in real estate? So I, I, bought, I bought my first property probably when I was like 25, 26. I, I had a corporate job. I was living and working in New York and I invested with, with a buddy of mine back home in my home state of Virginia. Okay. Um, just passively in a couple of deals. Okay. Right? But I caught, I caught the real estate bug before I ventured into real estate full time. You know, I, mm-hmm. uh, it's well, kind of funny. A lot, a lot of people have the same story. Like I, I was interested in real estate before I read rich dad, poor dad, but then I, I read rich dad, poor dad and it, it really flipped the switch in my brain because at the time I was working, crazy long hours and I was getting paid while I was making decent money, but I was a corporate slave by, by, by the most standard definition. Sure. Right? I, mean, sure. I was 80, 90 hours a week, um, making decent money, but 
not saving any of it, not investing any of it. I had nothing to show for it. If they had decided to let me go uh, from that job next day, I would have no income, nothing, nothing coming in. So <clears throat> that book flipped the switch in my head where I realized that, you know, this, the right way to do it is, is to build assets that will work for you, right? The premise of the book is very simple, right? They really didn't have to be a book. Like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the original version could have been a newspaper article or a journal article. Pretty much. Three pages, right? Yep. Wealthy, get wealthy by, for the most part, owning assets, businesses, uh, income-producing properties, and everybody else works for a paycheck. And there's yeah. no shame in working for a paycheck. God bless you, right? But if you leave that job, you're not earning what income you have? anymore. Yeah, what do so you I have got, So I got into, you know, a lot of people, these days get into real estate for the checks right they mm -hmm. see checks on facebook and they're like man i want that twenty thousand dollar check like a lot most people get into real estate now because they want the checks they want the wholesale checks they want the quick flip checks i never gave a shit about the checks i right. I, didn't, I never cared about the 10 20 dollars checks i cared about the four hundred dollar check that would come in from a every property month. yep every month seven hundred dollar check that would come in from a property month after month after month so i think my journey in real estate was kind of a little different because I never got into it for, for the quick profits. I wanted right. to build just a massive recurring revenue stream that would allow me to not have to depend on the job, not have to depend on somebody else's goodwill, not have to, to depend on somebody else's willingness to continue employing me. I wanted to outsource my job, right? Yeah. My properties yeah. work for me now. Yeah. Do you so. think, do you think it's, a little, I don't mean to sound controversial when I say this, but do you think it's a little um, counterproductive or what's another word for it? Um, misleading some of the, some of the things that some of the new gurus are teaching nowadays when they're all out there going wholesale for life and do this for, you know, and they're all about, it seems like there's a lot of focus on fast cash these days. But that's, that's what sells, right? That's what, that's what attracts people. And it, it doesn't, you know, I personally don't think it's misleading. I mean, wholesaling is a legitimate business. I know many people that do well with wholesaling, but oh yeah, I, I, I tell the same thing to the wholesalers. I'm like, Hey, that's great. You're making all these checks, but that deal is going to pay you once. And that, that's wonderful that you're making these checks, but guess what? Next month, if you want to get more money, you'd better go continue hustling. Right. So even, even as you're wholesaling, build up that recurring revenue on the side, buy sure. some rentals, right? Buy some, like when I buy properties, I'm buying income. Yeah. That's all I'm doing. I'm just buying income. I'm, I'm, I'm building up, I'm building up that, that, that monthly income that's going to come in, even if I don't buy another deal, right? Even if I don't do another deal, yeah. But to me, that's more attractive, right? Um, what, I, what I'm hearing is that you're you're you you basically are, and and I, I'm fairly sure we can agree on this, is that there's levels to this, and basically most people have to start at the wholesaling level, and that's fine because, like you said, both of us know some very successful people in wholesaling, but you like to invite them to the next level, which is, hey, man. Life ain't a total hustle. There's other stuff to, besides that. There's also passive income. There's also investment. There's also development, which is where you're at right now. Yeah. So it's like, come live the rest of the levels of life. Don't just be stuck down here. Kind of. Yeah, and, and, and some people never level up. but And that's not necessarily bad either. I mean, if that's what they want to do and they've got the energy and the time. There's, yeah, there's nothing. God bless you. You know, there's, yeah. Nothing, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah. To, to, to me, to me, the, the attraction of real estate is that it's in, in the term passive investment vehicle is, is a misnomer, right? There's nothing passive about owning <laughs> rentals. We manage the shit out of them, right? Yes, like you do. <laughs> I, I have a full-time property management. I have a property management company. Mm -hmm. I have time property manager, right? And, and we manage, he manages the portfolio. I manage him. I help him manage the portfolio. Yeah. Next year, we'll probably bring in a second full-time person. There's nothing passive about it, but at the same time, still bringing because we manage it because we manage it well. We don't have vacancies, right? And that cash flow is very predictable. You can you can track it. It's easy. It's you can count on it as long as you're managing it, like you said properly. My my plan, and I've been kind of ironing this out for a long time. My plan, when my kids are a little bit older, uh, like four or five years, we're gonna go live abroad for six months to a year at a time. 
Nice. We, we, I already have the ability to do that now, but like the kids are too young to really appreciate yeah. it or, or, yeah. or really, like I'm, I'm going to wait till they're a little bit older. We're going to go live in Spain. We're going to go live in Argentina. We're going to go live in Paris. We're going to leave for six months, 12 months at a time. My portfolio will be paying for everything. I'll have good people in place to manage it. And like, that's cool as shit. Oh, all day. All day. But people, it, and I think, and I'm hoping people are hearing what you're saying um, as they listen to this or they're watching this. One of the best parts about being a real estate investor or an entrepreneur is the ability to build something that will go ahead and back something like that up. I mean, the idea of being able to live in another country for six months to a year and not, not, not working, but not necessarily having to worry about how shit going on at home. It's fine. I've got somebody there I trust, or it's, I've got a team back there that's taking care of stuff. And if they need me, here we are. We're right here on, on, on Zoom or on, on Skype or whatever is necessary, and we can knock stuff out as it, as it goes. And I think for, for the most part, like even in the group that, that I'm going to be posting this in, I got a lot of newbies that are just kind of like still trying to figure out the plan. You know, they're, they're kind of looking at things from, from, I can do the fix and flip, I can do that. And then, again, that comes back to focus. I can do the fix and flip. I can do the wholesaling. I can do, it's like trying to grab a dollar from everywhere and never getting a dollar from anywhere. But you need, you need, you need the vision, right? So, so my wife and I sit down and, 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 and we have these conversations regularly. We say, hey, because if I, if I don't do it, if I don't figure out a vision for my life, I'll just work 16 hours a day. Like, oh, sure. I, I don't have to, but I, I, I love this stuff, right? Yeah. So unless I take the time to, to put myself in, in the seat and say, what do I truly want my life to look like and, and create a vision for the future? I'll just keep working. Like I'll keep right. doing deals. I'm a deal junkie. Like I don't, you know, so, so, so we sat down and we said, look, let's have a plan. And we haven't fully ironed out that plan, but that's but having conversations around it. We're having conversations around it because now we have a vision for the future and what we want it to look like and something to work towards off and something to kind of prepare for. Right? So you need, you need to know where you want to end up to sure. figure out what you need to do now to, to get there. Right. I mean, it's, it's simple. Um, how much time do you put into something like that? I mean, I'm just curious. Everybody's different, but like when you sit down with your wife and you guys, not, say, hey, not, not, not enough, not <laughs> enough. But you know, I make I make it a point to to continue talking about it because. Well, yeah, it's not something that you, I, I I couldn't even see, and I'm single, so it'd be me talking to me. But I couldn't even see doing that in an hour because of the fact that there's so much shit up here that I want to do. That creating a vision, I know about half of it's going to have to sit to the side because I. You know, I'm 47. I don't know how much time I have left. I have to figure out what I can do within the next 10 years. So it's like, it's probably a conversation over time and an ever-evolving vision, I'm sure. Yeah. So, well, that's cool. I mean, how often do you guys, like, you have your vision board already? No, no, I, we, we, we don't have a vision board. We, no, it, it's more of, it's more of a conversation that, that, that centers around we have, we are in a unique position mm -hmm. to do some cool things. Yeah. But we're not doing it because I'm so busy working. We're so busy driving the bus, right? Right. Um, let's make sure that we actually do the things that we have. And I hate the term blessed, right? Oh, we're so blessed. No, like we put ourselves in this place, right? I'm yeah. not, I'm not blessed. <clears throat> I put myself here, but we need to make sure that we actually take advantage of our opportunities Yeah, because I'm such a workaholic that if I don't pull myself out of it, I'll just keep working. Yeah. I'll work the rest of my life. Like I don't, but then I, I wake up and they say, man, like I, I should be designing my life, right? I yeah. should be, instead of just working all the time, I have the ability to design my life to be anything I want it to be. Right. So let's make sure I'm doing that. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And everybody's, everybody's timing in making that design is different. Like you took it from the level of I need to work and I need to build something now first. And you have, and I'm a workaholic too. I mean, I literally, I have, I'll have friends reach out to me on Facebook cause they'll see me in the middle of doing some stuff. They'll reach out on message going, what are you doing up at two in the morning? <laughs> or, or my son will walk out. I'm a single dad. So my son will wake up every once in a while and he'll check on me. He'll look out of his door, you know, and it's, I'm a workaholic too. So if I don't stop 
and take that time. I have a coach that helps me do that on, on uh, every week. We sit down and we go through it. And he's like, where's your vision, bro? What are you, what are you aiming for? What are you doing? Um, and, and I think that has helped me a lot because there are those that can create a vision very young, you know, in their 20s, which is what they're preaching right now. Create your vision for your life and have big things to shoot for, which is fine. <clears throat> Not against that at all. It's great to have a vision board if that's what you want to use as far as your modality. Cool. Um, I have one that I, that I created. I still look at it daily. You know, but to be able to sit and actually say, okay, what's, what am I really doing here? I mean, right. I'm working my ass off, but what am I really doing here? Right. What, what, what is it for? Right. Because otherwise you're just chasing, chasing the money. Yeah. And, and there's you're no die question. rich. Yeah. Having, having no experiences and nothing to show for it. Right. So you have to create a vision because otherwise you're just chasing the dollar. It becomes a yeah. scorecard, right? Yeah. That's what business becomes. After you meet your basic needs, after your expenses are paid for, after all of your bills are taken care of, after you're comfortable, then it becomes a scorecard. I need to earn more money next year. I need to earn more money the next year. I need my revenues to go up. And But like, what is it for? Right. Right. And it's, right. it's good for you to compete with yourself and to make sure you're doing better this year than you did last year. But you're going to do a lot better if you know what it's for, right? Yeah. What, what's the vision? What are you trying to accomplish? Yeah. And, I, and, and then that vision is also going to allow you to stop, right? Yeah. Because at some point you need to stop from chasing more and more and more and more and actually enjoy your life and do the cool things that you've, enabled yourself to do right and a lot of people just never stop they just keep chasing more 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 until all of a sudden you get hit with like a a wake-up call some kind of a medical yeah, situation yeah, a health issue and yeah then all, and then all of a sudden you're like well shit like why did i just work my ass off for the last 20 years just accumulating and accumulating and accumulating what was the point what was the point so there was who was it that said that um it's an it's a oh it's a quote and I can't remember who said it. I'll probably have to go find it after this. It's gonna bother me, but it's man spends the early portion of his life chasing wealth and the remainder of his life chasing health, mm-hmm. which seems a little out of place. Um, and I think I think I'm seeing that a lot now with some of the because like there's these young influencers online that are doing very well, you know, in the e-commerce spe- uh, space and, and forex and all that kind of stuff. Because there's a mm-hmm. there's a few good companies out there, and they have everybody else, all their followers, completely enamored and trying to do what they're doing. And, and some of these guys have rags to riches stories. I mean, I know one who's pierced and tattooed and was in jail and was losing his kid and everything. Today, kid's a millionaire and he's just mm-hmm. freaking killing it. And he just wrote recently a post talking about how his view, his perspective, which is what we're discussing here, his perspective of life has changed from the money to no, no, no. I'm finally realizing it's not about the cash. It's not about being the big, the big whip in the, in anything. It's about life and what I can do now because of what I've put this work in for. And his whole tone is humbled. It's, it's like completely backed up and I mean, I'm proud of him, but that's like, wow. It it really took that for you to see it. It, all, all, all it takes is, I'm telling you, like a medical wake-up call. So, oh, yeah. So, like, you can snap yourself out of whatever stupor you're in by just imagining that all of a sudden you're sitting in a doctor's office and they tell you you've got five years or ten years to live, right? You would completely change your point of view right oh, now. Sure. Completely change your life, yeah, right? I agree. Because we all tend to think that we're invincible. We're going to be here forever, right? There's always a tomorrow. <laughs> but that's not – so I – I remind myself constantly of this. I know it's kind of dark, but like I constantly remind myself that I'm going to die. That's not a dark. I don't, th- I don't see. I don't see that as a dark reminder. I see that as a reminder of well, it makes me purpose. Sad. I mean, it makes me really, uh, makes me of really, course, you know, like really, really, really sad. And you know, but at the same time, it, it reminds you that you have a purpose to fulfill. You have a life to be fulfilled in. Are you going to keep doing the same things over and over? I have, I have a couple of friends who are um, a little more on the woo-woo side of life, and they've, they've, the comment has come across. We've heard from there. <laughs> I can't say exactly who or how that works, but they said, you know, we've been told if you knew exactly how short time was, you wouldn't be living life the way you are right now. Wow. And these are good people. Wow. <clears throat> and, it's, and it's like, but it's, it's that reminder. It's, so I don't, I don't know that that's a dark reminder. I think that's no, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's a good wake-up like- call. It serves two purposes, right? Because because at the same, it, it, on one hand, it reminds me to just continue doing good work, yes. right? Continue making the most out of every day, and, and absolutely, and, and driving the business forward, and impacting people, and and yep. 
sort of chasing my passion, which right now is really just building stuff. Like I like building things, right? I, that's what I'm going to leave behind when I do die. So I'm going to leave the buildings and the developments and, and the software that I've created and hopefully some people that have managed to impact. But then at the same time, while it reminds me to just keep, you know, crushing it, it also reminds me to occasionally stop and really just enjoy life and right. spend time with people I care about and right. go on trips and go on experiences and yeah. not chase that extra dollar when they really don't need it. Right. So, so it almost, it almost has the dual effect. If it's, that makes it's, sense. A, it's a, yes, it does. And it's, I think that's, I think that's a better definition of true wealth anyway. I think too many people tie wealth experiences, to experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think experiences are worth a lot more. I mean, I've had the pleasure of meeting some really cool people in my life um, from entrepreneurs like yourself to martial arts masters who are at the top of their game um, that, you know, can do some pretty trippy shit. Um, and, and they're, they're all wonderful people. And when you look at their lives, it's like, so this person's really wealthy, not because of their money. They're really wealthy because of their spirit or they're really wealthy because they have a complete life. They have these experiences. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, I think that's a much more worthwhile wealth to build, which is what you're describing right now. You're planning on doing and doing in, in, in essence. Um, by the way, I can't imagine that you have not impacted people's lives. Um, just watching your journey over, over time, watching your group, um, the interactions that you have with people, knowing what your software can do, dude, you can't tell me that hasn't impacted at least a few hundred people. That stuff is amazing. Uh, dude. No, it, it has. And, and they, and they thank you for saying that. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I mean, I never started out wanting to do that. Right. No, but, but it, it turned into something awesome. I mean, the bottom line is it, the shit works, you know? Yeah. That was Thank my you. coffee pot. That's not. That's not my <laughs> smoke alarm. We're good. Good. You're not on fire. Excellent. <laughs> nope. Nope. I, mean, I got two. I got two fire extinguishers sitting it, right it, over there. It's so. already dark. We came on to talk about funding and private money. Started talking about death all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just like yeah, the death of money. No. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of private lending, since we're in the group. Yeah. <laughs> Shift gears. Thanks for sharing that, by the way. I mean, it really helps to for, for the group to understand a little bit more about my guests, what their background is, where they're from, what they're doing, blah, 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 uh, and their perspectives. I, and I, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people are going to appreciate that. Um, when it comes to private lending, when it comes to private money, um, I've spoken with different lenders. Everybody has a different sweet spot. Maybe you'd care to share a little bit about what your experience was when you were doing that, when you had to go out and find private money loans and, and what were some of the challenges, some of the pitfalls and how did you overcome them? Just, just kind of those three as a, as a basic. You know, first of all, the biggest, the biggest problem out there right now is people don't actually understand what private lending is. This right? is true. They, That's they, why we started this group. Yeah. They, they, they think it's, you know, it's an online database or, or it's, it's people, people that advertise and say, there's, I think there's a lot of confusion between yeah. hard money lenders and private lenders. Oh, and big time. That, that's always we constantly try to dispel it. Right. So, I mean, when we're talking about private lending, we're truly talking about people within your network, whether it's, it's a network that you currently have, or it's a network that you take the time to build, but it's people that are either now or enter your network that are now professional lenders. They're, they're your neighbor, they're your accountant, they're, they're your colleague from, from, from work, they're the person you go to church or synagogue with. Right. Those are, those are private lenders. It's people that you, you take the time to, to educate about what you do and get them to partner with you on your deals. They yep. may not have lent money before. They're not currently lending to 20 people. Right. They're not the people that post online saying, you know, I'm charging 15% interest and six points, you know, that those are hard money lenders. <laughs> That's hard. Right? Money. So, so, so pri private, private lenders are people that you build rapport with. It's people that you build relationships with. It's people that, that you show your vision, mm. people that trust you yep. with their money yep. and invest in your <clears throat> Right. And it's people that don't necessarily know how to invest in real estate themselves. It's people that are looking to, put their money to work in something that's, you know, I hesitate to say relatively safe, but when, when their money is secured by a first lien on the property at fairly low uh, value, fairly low percent of value, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's safer than, than most investments, well, especially safe. if they're investing with what's that. Yeah. In the stock market. That's for yeah. sure. You yeah. So something tangible to hang on to. 
Absolutely. So, you know, I mean, the, I think the challenge for most people is always kind of establishing those relationships. Right. Right. Once you have one or two people who you've done really great by, mm. you've done really, really well by, mm. it then becomes easy. Yeah. They'll refer their friends to you. Sure. Right. If you, if you do what you say you're going to do and, and, and perform on deals, all of a sudden, a lot more money gets opened up to you. Sure. So initially for me and for anybody else getting started, it's always, it's always getting that first person to take a chance on you. Right. And, and for a lot of people, it ends up being somebody that already knows and trusts you. Right. It ends up being somebody that's, that's, that already knows you that is willing to overlook the fact that, well, I don't have a huge resume in real estate right now, but you know what? I learn quickly. And I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that you get every last dime of your money back and every cent of the returns that you're promised right. I'm going to perform on. Right. And if I have to go out and get a second job, I will, but you'll get paid back. Right. Right. And so it's those people, right? It's, it's the people that, that are willing to take a chance on you, even though you're, you don't have skin in the game. You don't have a lot of cash to put down. You don't have... A, a resume of ten houses that you've already renovated, right? I think that's I think that's that's the challenge for most people is getting that that first person to take a chance on you. So who who was not necessarily a name or thing, but maybe a was it a relative? Was it a good friend? Was it a stranger that you built your first deal with? Who who was it that helped you on your first one? It was it was it was a family friend. Yeah, it was cool. a family friend. Um, and some people don't have that kind of family friends. Right. Some people it's harder. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But you can meet those people. And look, if you have to borrow hard money, if you have to overpay for money to do a couple of deals, and this is what we always tell people, if there's a really good deal on the table, take whatever funding is available to you as long as you can still make some money. And you yeah, that's the funding, big thing. And the funding doesn't get you in trouble. That's the thing right, right there. Get that, get that deal under your belt, get a second deal under your belt. In the meantime, go out and build those private money relationships. Yep. Because they take time. That's other misconception, right? That like private, you're not going to go and, and meet somebody that is a potential private lender and they'll stroke you a check in three days. Right. right? Exactly. Relationships take time to build. Yep. So build those relationships, but while you're building those relationships, go out and if you have to take hard money, if you, if you have to bring on <clears throat> an equity partner to bring skin to the game, right? Mm -hmm. And split profits with mm -hmm. you. Whatever it is you've got to do, go get deals under your belt because then it makes the conversation with the private lenders where the money is going to be cheaper. Right. It makes that conversation easier. You're going to put right. them more of these. Hey, yes. I've already done two, three deals here are the exact numbers in these deals. I know this market, you know, I'm a, I'm a student of the game. I'm very conservative about my numbers. How long, sure, you know, how, how long was it before, before you no longer had to take private money loans? Cause you're self-funded now. So yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't borrow money. You, you don't need it. You don't need no. it. I mean, but how long did that take for you to get there? Cause I think some people have also the misconception. They only, they only need it once or twice and they should be ready to go. And then they get disappointed that they can't do it. And it's like, no, dude, what are you talking about? That doesn't take one or two deals. It, it took a few years. Yeah. It, took it takes a few time. Years. There's some investment yeah. of time. Yeah. I mean, what, what I primarily used private money for was buying rentals. So yeah. I used private money on the short term. Sure. So, so here, I mean, here's exactly how I got started. I, I got that first private money lender. Uh -huh. I bought a rental, renovated the rental, put tenants into it. Then I went to a local bank, got the property reappraised. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a burr, right? Yeah, sure, and sure. I've been teaching this method before anybody else was, you know, eight years ago. Right. But that's how I built the first like five or $6 million of my rental portfolio is I took the same chunk of private money. I used it for short-term funding. I bought the rental, rehabbed it, put tenants in place, got it reappraised by the bank, refinanced out. Of the private, yeah of the private money, yep. paid the private lender off, took that same private lender, got all their one. money into the next deal, and so the it, next deal, and the next deal. So I didn't have to go out and meet a lot of private lenders. I didn't have to go out and build a lot of those relationships because 
I, I just recycled that money. Right. Right. Over and over and over again. But you still teach this stuff, don't you? I mean, it's, yeah. it's like it's in the back office for the, for your, um, for yeah. the rehab value. Yeah, we, have, we have a lot of content on, on, on that yeah, no strategy. After watching last night, yeah. dude, you got way more than, than there was before when I first got involved with you. You got like classes, bro. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. We, you know, we're, we're putting a lot of education, you know, we're primarily a software company, but we realize that that in order to make our our clients successful we have to supplement the software and we have to give them really great education so that's what yeah. we do yeah all good so let's shift over to that talking about that software rehab evaluator's been around for how long now um, yeah exactly <laughs> it's been I a mean, few years i mean since, since the original version came out there was like an excel spreadsheet that yeah. probably came out in 2010 2011 yep, yep. So yeah, we've been been in the game for a long time. I'd been say a few years. <laughs> copied and ripped off a few times. Uh, I'm sure. Well, when you're in an Excel sheet, that's that's not hard to do. <laughs> but what you've done with it, I mean, it's evolved quite a bit. I mean, looking at the latest version that you introduced last night, I haven't seen that one. Um, and I'm like extremely excited that it exists for one. Um, for those of you that are listening to this and aren't familiar with Rehab Evaluator, it's a it's a software program that helps real estate investors structure a deal and put it into a format that a, a, an investor or a private lender can read. So you don't have to sit there and explain the story so much because for the most part, as daniel has been mentioning, when you're building relationships with private lenders, you eventually don't have to explain much to them. However, <laughs> and this is a big however, it's usually smart to have something that, that is laid out, well thought out, and can do some simple comparisons for somebody to look at and go, oh, this could actually make us both money. This makes sense. I'm in. Is, is that a good way to, to describe what this can do? One of the things that the software does, yeah, and you, and you described it well, is it, it cuts through the clutter, right? So, yes. so, so the, the private money presentations are, are, are a big part of the software and something that, I mean, it's literally at this point responsible for, for our clients raising tens of millions of dollars. There you go. And, they cut through the clutter, right? Because when I'm talking to you, Michael, if I want you to lend me money, yeah, what you really want to see is what's in it for you. Yep. Right. I can I can show you I can show you so much data. I can show you so <laughs> many numbers. I can show you so many spreadsheets. I can show oh, yeah. you so many so many comps, reports, and data points and yep. executive summaries. But at the end of the day, you want to be able to look at the deal and see how much are you looking to borrow. What's my risk, right? What's mm -hmm. my exposure? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What am I going to make from it? Right. 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 And then, and then at the, at the end of the day, you also want to see like, does this guy know what he's talking about? Right. And if I'm sitting across the table from you and I'm just <clears throat> babbling on and on about how I need a loan. <laughs> which is, which is how a lot of it happens sometimes. Right? And, it's, and so that's the other thing that we, we kind of teach people is like the mindset is the biggest part of it when you're looking to get money. Yeah. You, approach it from, from a position of, I need a loan. Nobody gives a shit what you need. Like right. truly, like, except for maybe your mother, nobody really cares what you need. <laughs> People are in it for themselves, right? True. True. Especially when it comes to money that they've worked so hard to earn and to save, right? Yeah. Money yeah. that their family <laughs> depends on. They yeah. don't care what you need. They care about, are they going to get paid back? Are they, the, sitting the across, are they sitting across the table from somebody that is honorable and credible yep. and knows what they're doing and will do whatever it takes to pay them back. Yep. Right. So it's the character and the quality of the person. And then it's the deal. Yeah. Is, is this deal good? Is my exposure going to be limited? Mm -hmm. Right. And yep. then what am I going to earn? What, what am I going to make from doing this deal with you? Because at the end of the day it is worth my trouble. Right. So we can put that together in a one page report. Yeah. It accomplishes yeah. all of those things. That's, that's one page report can accomplish all of those things. And it has, and it does. Yeah. That's, and that's one of the best things that I like about it is it, it's, it simplifies almost oversimplifies that whole premise of this is what I'm looking for. This is what you're getting out of it. And this is when you're getting it by the rest of and, the rest of it. Yeah, comes and, on my and, credibility they know, and, they know, and they know what the hell I'm doing because I've created this for you. Right. Exactly. And, and it, it, it's not guys, if you've never seen this, by the way, there's a free version and I'm going to put a link up in the, in the, uh, the comments over there. If you guys want to try it out, use it, please do. 
the free version is already awesome. The premium version, you get education, you get support, you get all kinds of stuff. Um, Neil even has a, an inner circle deal. If you wanted to join something like that, he can tell you more about that later. Um, but that's where you get direct access to him. That, that in itself is invaluable. The, the idea of the whole spreadsheet thing that you were talking about, what, what, that stuff's for banks. And I've seen those spreadsheets. I, I've had to deal with them and what we, a fucking we mess. Use, we're not underwriters. We're we just- use this for banks. I use the same software to send to my bankers to get seven-figure loans. Yeah, but, these, but your version is clean cut and clear. I've seen the other version where it's a shit ton of numbers that an underwriter has to pour over. Right. It just takes too right. long. It takes too long. Well, and, and, and yeah, and, and your, your typical private lender is not going to be educated enough no. to, to, to look through those spreadsheets and make sense of it. You give me 10000 I give you 10500 You know, or right. I give you... You're, you're lending me $70,000 and the property is going to be worth $100,000 when it's fixed up. Hey, guess what? If you... If worst case scenario happens and you have to foreclose on me, you are actually going to make more money. Yeah. You're going to get a property worth a hundred thousand dollars that you've only lent $70,000. on. Exactly. So, and that's, and that's very powerful in and of itself. Hey, Michael, you're getting your first lien on this property. Yep. I, I'm going to work my ass off. I've, I've done my due diligence. I've done my homework. I'm being conservative in my numbers. You're going to get paid back with interest, but nothing's guaranteed in life. No, that's things true. Go wrong, unexpected true. things happen. I can't, I can't guarantee anything for you, right? I mean, I, I would just be lying to you if I told you that you're absolutely guaranteed to get your money back. No, I, I could get hit by a bus. Yeah, I could walk out tomorrow and I could get hit by a bus. I could get struck by lightning. But guess what? Then you can foreclose on me. Yep. Because you have a first lien and your interest is secured in this property, and you'll take the property back and foreclosure process may take you a few months and you're then going to have to sell it, which is going to take you some time. And it's a pain. It's not what you want to do because you're a chiropractor and you've got this, the last yeah. thing you want to worry yeah, about. Exactly. But guess what? At the end of the day, if the worst case scenario happens and you have to foreclose on me, you're actually going to make far more than you are off of the interest by lending. me. Yeah. In one way or another, you've, you're, you're doubly protected. One, you're either getting your money back and, and the interest that I'm offering, or you're getting your money back and the rest of the interest that I should be making is profit. So yeah. one way or another, you win um, right. just because of that lean. I, I think a lot of people still have, and this probably runs into mindset, I think a lot of people still have that fear of that mindset of going, I need to be confident enough in myself knowing that I'm, I'm going to and, and commit. Um, I've been listening to 10X by Grant Cardone, and one of the things he talks about is overcommitting and overdelivering. Um, and there's a couple of things in there I'm, a little sketchy on, but the concept of being confident enough in yourself to know that if you need to grow during this process, you will and committing to that. I think it might make your mind a little stronger when you're talking with a private lender and saying, you know, I got this and I got and you. Yeah. And, and that's absolutely right. And that, and that actually takes me back to uh, the, the mindset thought that I don't think I've finished. Right. Which is you can't approach this stuff from, from a, position of desperation right, right. from position right. of needing a loan needing money right you, you need to completely reframe your you need to completely change your frame meaning yeah. you're somebody that has taken the time to study the market you have to you have taken the time to understand right how private lending works mm -hmm. how real estate analysis works right you research comparable sales you, you have the knowledge to find clearly if you have a deal you need money on you've got the ability to find discounted deals, right? Right. These are all incredibly <clears throat> valuable skills that not many people have, right? They, these skills of executing a deal successfully are actually far more rare than money. Mm -hmm. Money is everywhere, right? Money that wants to be in real estate, especially yeah. now is oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. skills and abilities and, and the time to execute that you have is actually far more rare than money. Right. So you're bringing a lot to the table. The guy that's bringing the money to the table, I could make an argument. He's just bringing less to the table than I am. And yeah, you could. You could easily argue that because they don't know what you know. You're, so, so, so your mindset needs to change, right? You're presenting opportunities for people to participate in your deals. Right. And I know it's like it's tough to say when it's, this is your first deal. Right? It's like, uh, but no, yeah, but that's what's happening, yeah. right? Yep. You, you are presenting opportunities for people to participate in your deals. 
and you're think, bringing them out to the table and you need to see you want to be successful in raising money you can't sit across the table from somebody and be like please give me a loan <laughs> right I've got, I've got this deal that i have to fund i have to close on it in four days oh man please. how many times please. have we seen or heard that one my gosh I, I have to i'm desperate i have to close on this deal i i get that message probably three times a week i got a deal i gotta close by tuesday okay good luck <laughs> you can't help me Nope. You should, be, you should be building these relationships ever before you ever have a deal. Right, right. Because yeah. if you're in that, if you're at that point, you're fucked. Yeah, yep. I mean, if you're if you're just if you're just wholesaling flips and stuff like that, you could probably get away with some of it. But if you're trying to fund a deal, like a real deal, a rehab, a remodel, a portfolio grab, and you don't, like you just said, you don't have those relationships, you're gonna lose that deal. I hope mm -hmm. you didn't drop anything down on that deal. You know, I mean, because that money just left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I, also, I also appreciate what you're saying about the mindset part of it where, you know, you're the expert now. You need to act like the expert. And it's not a fake it till you make a thing. Like you said, you've done the research. You've taken the time to really dig into everything that you're doing. You've used Rehab Valuator to go ahead and create the spreadsheet for this person, the one-sheeter for this private lender to go, okay, he's not messing around. So essentially, you may, I think, I think people misunderstand that the term expert I means somebody who's like super intelligent and uberly, you know, researched blah, blah. You can be an expert in snails. You can be an expert in coffee cups and only have the perfect cup because you've already seen all the other cups and this is the best one. Well, this isn't the best one. My best one's over there. But the idea is that if you go to the table, you got to come in with confidence, not arrogance, not cockiness. You're, like you're bringing something to the table, which you, which are. you are. You which are. You are. You're bringing, and, you're bringing and, an opportunity. And, and, and again, and like that doesn't mean you need to bullshit people and pretend to oh, be no, something you're that's not, not right? that's or misrepresent yeah. your experience. Right. But there's a way to take what you have and present it in an attractive manner as right. if you're bringing a lot to the table. Right. My brother, we've been at this for almost about 45 minutes and I don't want to hold you too long, but I'm going to ask you one more time if you have any last parting thoughts as far as what you could do to encourage any of these, anybody who's listening to this um, with regards to real estate investing, entrepreneurship, mindset or anything. It just your last piece of advice. I don't know, man. I'm not that wise. Um, <laughs> everything... No matter how much technology we use, no matter how many, how many Facebook videos we watch, no matter how many LinkedIn profiles we create, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, real estate is a real relationship business. Mm -hmm. The best contractor referrals I have, the best, um, my entire real estate team, my attorney, my title company, all of my attorneys actually, mm -hmm. my title company, my, my CPA, my, my contractors, all of my deals, Mm -hmm. Everything is coming from real in-person relationships that I have taken the time to build, right? Real estate is, is a physical, it's a hard asset market, right? Mm -hmm. It's part of what makes it great. So like get out from your computer, go out, meet people, shake people's hands, sit down, sit across the table from people, build relationships, look for ways that you can help other people, bring value to other people, there. right? Yep. Approach every situation, and I'm not, I, even I'm not perfect at this. I constantly remind myself to mm -hmm. do mm -hmm. this, right? Because mm -hmm. like, even, even, even though I'm guilty sometimes of being like, fuck, I'm too busy, whatever, right? I don't, right. I don't, right. I, but I go out and meet people, build relationships, help people, bring value to the table and it'll come back to you tenfold, right? Um, yep, agreed, totally agreed. Don't, don't, just, don't just hide behind your computer. And, and, and again, it goes back to focus. Just focus, become good at one thing. If you're going to wholesale, become the baddest freaking wholesaler in Out your there. market. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Whatever that's that what you want to do. Yeah. My man, this has been an, a wisdom-filled hour for somebody who says he's not that wise. <laughs> you, um, you, trap, you dropped quite um, a few golden right. nuggets, brother. I really appreciate you for coming in and hanging out. Yeah, with man. Um, absolutely, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we, we might need to do a couple more of these down the road, maybe once a quarter or something, get some updates, Ooh. especially when it comes to Rehab Valuator and see yeah. how things are going. Your opinion on markets might be the next uh, maybe the next thing to talk about because we didn't really get to get into that. Um, yeah, that's a whole, whole yeah, different it's, topic. It's a and, whole and, and, like, and like who knows, right? I mean, I, I, I'm 
very careful about making predictions because uh, not necessarily predictions, more just uh, understanding what's been happening. Cause I think, I think a lot of people still have a hard time understanding the market after the fact, you know, we see what happens. I'm, I mean, I was lucky in calling the 2008 crash in 06 when they started doing those interest only loans, but that was blatantly obvious. And it's like, nobody paid attention to it. Um, but what it's doing now, I mean, even I could probably use some of your insights because you're doing a lot way more than I do. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, and it's invaluable information. So thank you again. Thanks for hanging out. For those of you that are listening once more, you're listening to Java chat. This is coffee with Mike hanging out with Daniil Kleeman, who is a, an REI entrepreneur gentleman by all respects and somebody oh, I highly you. respect. Um, and uh, man, I'm looking forward to some of these, uh, some of these trips that you take. You better be posting so we can see these beautiful places like Spain, France, and all that kind of stuff. I want to see when that comes. Yeah, and seeing now, now that I'm like saying this stuff online, now, now I'm accountable, <laughs> right? Because if, if we talk in four years and I'm still sitting in my home office, you're like, like you, 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 you lie. You, you, you realize this goes on Facebook in two different places. It goes on my podcast. It goes over my Instagram and it's dropping on Twitter. I hope you know that. Yeah, I'm, I'm accountable now. That's why, that's why you've got to, you know, state your intentions publicly because Agreed. you're accountable. So. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, All right, guys. I'll look the rest of my life. Right. Exactly. So listen, guys, if you, if you found some real value in this, do me a favor, make sure that you share this out. Um, whether that's sharing, tweeting, you know, sending a DM, sending an IM, whatever that takes. Make sure you share this out with other people that you know are either in the industry, are entrepreneurs, or are looking at something different perhaps to come and listen to some of this because his story is relevant, his story is real, and it's raw, and it, and it proves without a shadow of a doubt that we are still in a country that offers one of the best opportunities to go out and make things happen. Um, love it's all of you. It stays that way. Yeah, it's going to stay that way. Don't all, worry. It's, all you that, that voted wrong. Oh, look at you. <laughs> No politics. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm talking to you, New York. Oh, 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 yeah. That's another conversation for another time. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love all of you. Thank you very much for hanging out. Make sure you stay on point. Stay focused. Get after it. Take care, everybody.